this is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. This is Kerry Earnhardt, and you're listening to Earnhardt Outdoors, where the pavement ends and the dirt road begins. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Earnhardt Outdoors. I'm your host, Kerry Earnhardt, coming to you from the Zalta Studio. Alongside me is outdoor enthusiast and former driver, Hank Parker Jr. Well, Lamont, it's good to Lamont. see you again. You had to come up with that again? <laughs> Man, I thought I got away from that when I got away from racing. No, it's just too good. I enjoyed that. That was fun. That's a neat story. I mean, people really don't know that story, maybe. Yeah. You just, won't you refresh everybody's memory? Because I, I think it's it's a name that's stuck. Yeah. Well, you know, I struggled in my racing career early on, and... Yeah, you know, I was trying to do some stuff with channel lock racing and all, and I went to Dad and Teresa and said, hey, I'm tired of driving junk, and I want to drive for you, even if it's tricycles or go-karts or anything. So Dad talked to Teresa, and we ended up doing an ARCA series, or ARCA team, mm-hmm. and ran it out of Hart Incorporated. And so when I was working on my cars, we had a warehouse where all these cup teams and these bush teams back then Mm-hmm. Would take they run a race on these parts and they take them off, put them in the warehouse, which is parts for sale for <laughs> lower funded teams. Yeah. Well, I would always sneak down there and grab stuff off the shelves <laughs> to put on my car to help make it better. Yeah. And Tony Senior, that was crew chief for Dell Junior that back then, come up with the name Lamont. <laughs> Said I was always savaging, scrounging for scraps and all that stuff. I guess off of Sanford and Son. So yeah, that's, that's where the Lamont stuff, name come from. That is good, but I mean, it's not like you were going down to, uh, you know, back in the the good old days to Wayne's uh, Wayne's Automotive. Yeah, Automotive. It was yeah. a different deal. I mean, you weren't pulling brake rotors off of a seventy four. No, Camaro, no, right? it was easier. I could take it right off the shelf. I didn't have to do nothing. <laughs> put it on my car. I didn't have to take it off the other car or nothing. So. Oh man. And, you know, and Dad, he called me up and called me to the office, and uh, he said, what's this about the warehouse? And I said, it's a nice place. He says, yeah, it is. I said, I said, what do you mean, what's about it? He said, I heard that you've been going down there. I said, yeah. I said, it's got a lot of good parts in there. He said, yeah, I know. I said, well, I could go to the parts department and get them out of the news, you know, off the news shelves and stuff. And he said, just keep up doing what you're doing. So You're doing fine. You're doing yeah, fine. And it worked. We, we had a lot of good success there, and then, you know, Things changed when that day happened, and it's kind of struggled since then. Yeah. Well, you know, Kerry, you bring up uh, something that's so important, and, and you know, watching watching all the sports on TV, watching racing especially, uh, I don't think it – it never really sinks home until you've been there. And when you're not driving top-notch equipment, it's hard to race against those guys who are and be competitive. I mean, there's guys who do it, and there's guys who've taken lesser equipment and beaten guys, but week in and week out, you know, and – it's just tough, and and you're doing what you needed to do, and yeah, you know it's all part of our history and part of our past, and you know so thankful for the fun times and the memories. But I can tell you, I drove uh, drove for a while uh, in the GNC car, and we yep. had, we had a pretty good team, and we had some great guys. You know, I just love my you know my old crew chiefs and and team uh, that I got to work with. So many good guys, but there towards the end we kind of had some struggles, you know, with some financial things, and 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 we just wasn't showing up at our very best you know i mean not that people weren't putting forth an effort but it came down to money and and that sort of thing uh but uh i put together a deal to drive for uh 
Dale Jr., a few races, and for Clarence Brewer. Right? All of them. Yeah. Remember old Clarence. And uh, I drove their car at Darlington, Clarence Brewer's car. I drove it at Darlington. And uh, I remember I made about four or five laps in the race, and I said, is this thing legal? <laughs> I was like, I never drove a car this good. Felt so good. And dude. they were like, quit saying that. I'm like, seriously, is this motor? I mean, is, are we legit? I'm passing people in the straightaway here. You know, what's going on, man? But uh, it's funny. And then when, and I got to drive Dale Jr.'s car a couple of times. They were doing all this new stuff back then, you know, where you put in the, you know, where they run the simulation of the track and, and yeah. Uh, Virtually what you do is just tie the car down and it simulates the track. And, and they could really tell what was going on. Man, those cars drove so good. I was like, man, yeah, it was if I did nice. this week in and week out. Yeah, I remember when you started running on bump stops, you know, and yeah. you know, just bombing springs out. And it's amazing how much better the car would feel. You wouldn't think, yeah. think when you bomb out, it'd just take off. But it shows you what the technology and with all the equipment, right equipment and machinery, these guys can figure out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you had to pull down machines and you know you like say you pull them down ch- test the springs and shocks and all that stuff and it it made a world of difference and i seen that going from racing with the arca deal i mean in 2000 in december we had sat down me ty norris my dad and rick howard dad called us all into a meeting and we're sitting there in a deer head shop mm-hmm. around this metal yeah. table and he pulls out his briefcase and opens it up takes his black <laughs> calendar out <laughs> And it's a 2001 calendar, and he's gone through it and had every race that I was running. It was like 39 races between the Bush and the Arca cars and some of the truck races. And you know, I was excited because this was going to be a good time. Yeah. You know, good equipment and everything. And, you know, we went to Daytona and ran the Arca race there, and we'd done okay. And I, I didn't do too good in the Arca races at Daytona, but we done okay. And then uh, I come home, was mowing the yard, and, of course, you know, everything happened that year with dad and i'll never forget the first thing i got caught first call i got you know was kelly you know let me know what happened i wasn't watching the race uh you know she called was crying and everything and then uh the next call i got was ty norris which you know he kind of overseen yeah Dunhart incorporated called to let me know that my program that we had scheduled for 2001 is no longer in place mm. that's tough and of all times, he'd call me. He said that was the hardest call he's ever made. Yeah. Because he knew what Dad had wanted, and that had changed mm-hmm. that day. Yeah. And yeah, it's just yeah. it just still sits in my mind and bothers me that, that that was so important when we lost someone, you know, that was close and dear to us. Right. Right. But anyway, life goes on, and I went on to race for Fitz Bradshaw and uh, Mondo Fitz, which is – Phillips Sabatis' son-in-law and Terry Bradshaw, of all people. Mm-hmm. And that was a fun times, but, you know, we just struggled with the team working together. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I had a lot of support from Delahart Incorporated with, you know, the technology side. And we'd get set up some put in the car and go run good tests, practice and everything. We'd come to race or qualifying, things had been changed. And mm-hmm. it's like different springs and shocks. And, and it just, we just struggled. And... It was hard without being able to sit there on top of the car and watch, make sure nobody changed anything mm-hmm. from having to go do driver's meetings and all this other stuff. You know, it was it was hard to just sit there and watch that. So I had one race at Kansas. I had an engineer from Delaware Incorporated to come over and just hang out yeah, and sit there and watch. And nothing got changed. And, I mean, that was the coolest race. I almost won. <clears throat> and uh, we, we was out in the lead with about – Five laps to go, and no, three laps to go, and old uh, Jeff Burton 
and that <laughs> nine gain car come along. Oh yeah. I mean, he had a I dynamite mean, ear. He that was, and he you couldn't beat him. And no. you know, I thought I was going to until I seen him Drive in the rearview mirror. I remember that race. And it, I mean, I had, I still enjoyed it. Finished second, and you know, it was a good time. But yeah, you know, it just showed that if you had the people behind you and the support, mm-hmm. and it believed in you, it, it helped a whole lot. I'll say this too, and and I know there's a lot of stuff. You know, we we typically spend our time talking about the outdoors, but just it's been good to be together and and kind of hang out and talk about our passion and love for the outdoors. And I think that a part of our success and a part of our failures and struggles have helped us define more of a of a good relationship with the outdoors because it was an escape for us, and it's been something that that's brought us back around full circle and. And, you know, you look at racing, uh, we're both in our 40s, and, yep. you know, I can remember I can remember when Jeff Gordon started, and now, you know, he's, oh, I know. he's retired, you know, and you watch this stuff on TV, and you see these guys, and you think, okay, what about the Mark Martins and the Ricky Rudds and the guys who were phenomenal drivers, and mm-hmm. you just don't, I mean, you know, out of sight, out of mind, right? And and so the thing that I would say, you know, as we talk about racing, and we talk about the outdoors, you know, it's not the success that's uh, that a guy has in his particular career or uh, or profession or even his failure. It's that you there's a whole lot more to life than being successful on the racetrack. And I think your dad would be super proud of who you are as as a man and 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 who you've become and what's what how you, you know all of you guys have uh, unified you you know Dale Junior Kelly and yourself yeah. and. And just to see the the legacy that that he left and what you guys are picking up and carrying on is just it's it's awesome to come and hang out with you and and to be friends and talk about that. And you know, people ask, well, why you know why did you quit racing or do you miss it? And and that's the thing, man. You know, there's you you get up and you keep fighting. Sometimes failure is one of the best motivators uh, in the world. And you know, I didn't give up on racing, and I don't consider my life. Uh, somehow is being marked second and and not b- being worthwhile mm-hmm. but rather man it just shapes you more into who you are and you know what we love to do and and I, it doesn't have to specifically be in racing it can it can be in a whole lot of other avenues and for us our common bond is the outdoors yes and you're right i mean it has helped me be a better person um, with family mm-hmm. and with, with decisions in life and yeah, the racing was fine, all the hype and glory and everything, but I look back, well, at the time, whenever Dad, you know, we lost Dad and all that changed, it, it started helping me see things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've seen times I'd miss with my family. I didn't get to see my boys grow up. Yeah, I was gone on the road. They came with me, but they couldn't come down until Saturday morning because they had school on Friday, and that was just, you right. know, Saturdays all we were together. And then I'd come home and have to go do appearances and be at the race shop and working on the cars and everything, so... I missed them growing up, and I missed their wrestling matches and, you know, all the stuff that they did. And whenever, you know, that time happened, it helped me see what I'm going to miss in life with Dad and what he's going to miss. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had another younger daughter that was growing up that was my wife's daughter, and we had talked about having one ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, life's too short. I don't want to put the chance of taking my life away from them like i lost my dad mm-hmm. and it helped me i won't say it helped me I, I you know i started cutting back and racing and everything and being around the kids growing up watch, going to volleyball games and watching the success they had and the fun they were having and now my daughter doing these rodeos i didn't miss racing at all when i quit yeah and 
it helped, I think that helped me in life just to fill, you know, the, the void. If I didn't have the kids and, you know, them growing up, of course, racing would still be in my life, I think, mm-hmm. because it would be just me. It wouldn't be, I wouldn't have anyone else to think about. But with that, I think it's been a lot of fun. Um, I get to do a lot more stuff with my kids. I got a grandson now and, you know, get to do stuff to see him grow up. We just had his first birthday last That's Sunday. Cool. So, um, it's, it's been a big change in life and I love it. So Heck yeah, it's man. been fun. Heck yeah. And you know, this is, you know, we take our kids and, and, and you hit on a lot of good things right there talking about going to volleyball games and wrestling matches and all those things. And you go do those things and that's good. And, uh, you know, uh, we, we need to be involved and engaged in our kids' lives. And mm-hmm. One of the things I think that helps, too, is to show, is to really passing on this whole idea of what we're passionate about. You know, getting them out in the outdoors and showing them, hey, this is something I'm really passionate about. I want to share this with you even without forcing it on them. Right. I mean, we've already talked about this. Yeah. I mean, you could give your daughter a 12-gauge, but yep. I don't know anybody who would do that. It works, <laughs> man. <laughs> it works. But, but you know what? I have to, get, I have to say this. You know, I, I started seeing my 12-year-old daughter change in life. You know, she got her cell phone, and she got her friends, and then she got these um, uh, which social contacts with yeah. this Snapchat thing I talked about in the past. And we have seen and noticed some things, a lot of changes in her, and noticed some things that were going on on Snapchat. So we took her phone away mm-hmm. and deleted her Snapchat account and her Instagram account. Good. And that girl has became a young girl again. That's cool. She's back to playing. She has these briar horses. She's back to playing briar horses in her bedroom. You know, you go. got them in the stalls and back to getting outside and running around. Going through the woods, you know, stuff like that, and wanting to do go fishing more. Yeah, there she, you go. You know, it, it's like a different person, and it's just all taken. I hate to say it, but this social media stuff away. Yeah, and that, it's been a big change. And you know, I thought it was going to be a big issue because she's going to be battling, fighting, crying about it. And she she didn't. She was okay with it. That's cool. And so that's very cool. Wow, you know, I, that just showed me there how sometimes things can distract you in life. Mm-hmm. And you don't realize it right. until it's taken away, and that has changed her. Now she's you know back into wanting to go fishing, wanting to be outside working on a deer blind, or you know working in the food plots and yeah. stuff like that. The girl that I had before is back, so that's that's go. been cool. You know, I think a good takeaway from that too is dads, put yourself on down. Yeah, you, you don't control the world. It's going to be all right. Turn it off when you come home. Your daughter wouldn't be doing that if you wasn't out there doing it. She wouldn't be out there building a deer blind if you wasn't out there doing it. Right. I think that's a challenge to all of us. It is. You know, myself. Just getting out there and taking them outside, turning it off, having some fun outside. Yeah. And there's some things, you know, like businesses, say like us trying to start outdoor shows, you know, you talk to sponsors, they want to know what your Facebook followers are or your Twitter account followers are. And, you know, I think that's important for business, but in social and in, in family life, I just don't see it being something that's necessary. Keeping it in its right place. You know, if you want to talk to friends or anything, pick the phone up and call them. <laughs> Come by my house and see them. Or text them. I will text. You know, I'll do that. <laughs> because if you say, no, I didn't, I'll say, right here, it says you did. <laughs> oh, man. My wife's going to love me on this because I fuss at her about Facebook so much. Yeah. yeah. Well, don't drag me into getting digging in a deep old hole. There here. you go. You know, this is just important. You know, we talked about last time we were together. We talked a little bit about bow fishing, and that's a that's a good way to introduce your family to the outdoors. It is, and you know, me and my son Jeffrey, you know, he's big into bow fishing, and 
we started doing it a little bit. He's you know, invited me along a couple times, and I went. And now it's like we're all time texting each other. Hey, I'm going out Saturday night. You available? And he's always <laughs> back and forth. So this past Saturday, I, I went out, and uh, he wasn't that available. He was out of town, and me and my daughter's boyfriend of six years now. Me and him went. For you a didn't push hours. him in. Well, no, he's he's a good kid. I'm just kidding. it's funny because you know what? When I took him on a fishing trip with this friend of mine, uh, David Club, David asked him as soon as we got there. He asked, "Where's the chain and cinder block?" I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "We're not going to tie him up and throw him over." I'm like, no, he's a good kid. Oh, so good. we went out and had a good time. And even though it was just a couple hours instead of the five or six hours that you normally do, we still shot we shot five fish, missed one nice gar, but That's cool. we still had a good time and. and I think we kind of bond a little bit. He might tell you different, but because yeah. I, I am kind of stern might, with him and harsh. He might have been a little intimidated the entire time. Well, I try to keep it that He's way. He's sweating. I try sweating to keep bullets. it like that. Yeah, it's a good time. It's fun. And, you know, you don't have to spend a whole lot of cash. If You you can spend as much. It's kind of like, you know, CrossFit. You can work out as hard as you want to. Yeah. Or you can work out as lazy, lazy as you want, you want to. And that's how, that's how uh, uh, bow fishing is you can spend all the money yeah. you want to you get, on it, but, or you could get, you, you know, just you, what you need. You could be like your brother and my son. They, <laughs> I mean, they go all out with it. Yeah. You know, I've got this little long bow that I think uh, Bear gave me. I've kind of rigged it up. There you put go. Put reel on it and got me a little flat bottom John boat, 18 mm-hmm. foot John boat, and just have fun out of it. I just mounted some, I went and bought some of these, I don't know, LED lights that you work, like work lights that yeah. you work on cars yeah. in. I bought about eight or ten of them and mounted them across the front. And my daughter's boyfriend, he had a light bar, so I took it from him. And Jeffrey had a light bar, and I got it from him and put them on the back on each side. So I don't have the big platform and all this fancy stuff, but we still shoot fish. That's right. You're still having fun. And, you know, there's a lot to it. And we're going to have – we've been talking about We're going to get my brother and Jeffrey. We're going to get one of them or both of them in here because there's – Technically, you know, there's a whole lot to, you know, the different types of lights and the right. and the way it looks. You know, if the LEDs you get that, you get a little bit of a white look and mm-hmm. it can have a little glare to it. And so, in certain types of water, it's better. But in muddy water, it might yeah. not be the best. And blah blah blah. And this and but that. I have found what have I have found? taken this yellow tint and, and put, put it over it. them lights. Yeah, that's helped it a whole lot. Yeah. Before, it, like I said, it would glare off the water; mm-hmm. it wouldn't penetrate. With these yellow lights, it penetrates now and. Gets That's cool. Stuff I'm learning, you know, that they there know about. Go. So you hear That's about good. these iridescent lights and all this stuff, and I don't even know what all that is. But I don't know if we can handle both of them in <laughs> here on the show. That might be pretty yeah. hardcore. I didn't think about that. It I didn't might. think. I didn't think before I spoke. Could well, that imagine? might be okay though. Yeah, we might have we might to do that. Tie okay. them up. We need some chains <laughs> and center blocks that day for sure. Yeah, but yeah, and then, you know, there's certain type of fish you can shoot. You can't shoot bass, and you can't shoot. You know, you game fish. You I cannot shoot game fish. That's right. And, you know, um, so that leaves your gar, your carp, here in, on Lake Norman, your gar, your carp, both ends, mm-hmm. um, catfish mm-hmm. as ones I know that you can shoot. I'm not sure. I thought they had changed it on the catfish, didn't they? Well, I'm in trouble then. <laughs> so good there. <laughs> I don't think they have changed it. Well, you know, and, and so any time that you're going to bow fish, you do need to think about your state your local laws right. you can look this up i mean i've been all over in different areas and done it with my brother he's done a lot more than i have i know he's been down to louisiana a couple times i've done it up in kentucky with him and you know obviously done it a few times uh here locally and uh just done it in different areas and you've got different types of fish i mean you got 
You've, you've got big heads up up north that you mm-hmm. don't have here, right. and, and, you know, you've got bow fins and, and as you get south of here. and uh, I have never done this, but I'd really like to get an alligator gar. That'd be pretty that'd cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, I've seen some cool pictures. Yeah, that'd be a fight, too, I think. Heck, yeah, man. That'd be a really good and one. Another one I like to do is they do these skates, these mm-hmm. bow fishy skates, stingrays. Yeah. yeah. And that looks like a challenge. You think, people think, you know, it's a big target, it's easy to hit, but you're shooting in water. Yeah, and your arrow don't keep going straight when it hits that water. Uh, it no. kind of deflects, and yeah. you know it's it's still hard to hit something big. It's deceptive because you are aiming under it, and then you don't. I've never used sights, and the people no. I uh, hunt with don't use or fish with don't use sights. So uh, my brother does have this little laser sight you can use. It's pretty neat. I've tried it a couple of times, but most of the time, I mean, you know, it's just instinct, instinct shooting. It's yeah. fast. You're shooting under them, and it's exciting. It, golly, it's fun. It is fun, and. You know, I thought it would be easy, but it is it is challenging. I miss a lot, and I haven't hit a lot. So it's just, it's just like I said, it's instinct. I can see where the laser might help you, but I think it might mess you up more, too, because oh, yeah. you're focusing on that laser. Yeah. You know, yeah. And that fish moves, that laser's still sitting in that same spot. I'm going to tell you, it just flat out bring the redneck out in you. you yeah, I bet so. I love it. I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun, <laughs> and it's neat because you're, you're back up in these coves and shallow waters, and we try to go where there's no houses. Just because. <laughs> I don't worry about all that. But go ahead. Well, recently, I'm, I will tell you some stories. But here, the last few times, we have gone, like, in shallow, like, up behind the rest area off of 77 there on Lake yeah. Norman. And the people that come across the bridge and just stop. That's it. And look. Uh, they think it's a UFO. With all they're the like, what is that out there? I'm like, <laughs> oh, search and rescue. Go on. We're good. <laughs> I remember it. In the beginning, we would go up along these docks and right along the banks of houses and stuff, and people yelling at you and throwing things at you. and Occupational hazard. Yeah. Like, That's like living on a golf course and getting get, mad. So yeah. Somebody hits your house with a golf ball. Yeah. This woman says, hey, you ain't supposed to be shining lights in people's houses. I said, I'm not. And so what are you doing outside this late anyway? <laughs> you want to come fish? She didn't them? say nothing. So. Oh, I had some interesting stories about it's a lot of them. <laughs> I've had, you never know what, I mean, who you're going to roll up on. I know? mean, I'm fine with some people, but if they get very obnoxious, it's kind of hard to keep your control, you know. This is Carrie Earnhardt, and you're listening to Earnhardt Outdoors. Hey everyone, this is Ron LaMasters, host of Historically Speaking. Tune in every Friday as Steve Richards and I take a look through history at numbers, trends, topics, and lists from the world of junior motorsports and NASCAR. That's every Friday right here on Dirty Mo Radio. One thing I think people don't really think about a whole lot, too, is you can bow fish in the daytime. Yep. I spend most, most of the times I've been bow fishing has been in that, you know, from 10 o'clock at night till about 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And you do run into the occasional drunk dude on the right. pier, you know, or on the boat. Or on the boat. Yeah, and then they, they, you know, you're fishing along some bank, you don't yep. know anybody's there, and this dude sits up and starts yelling at you. <laughs> Whoa, where, yeah, where'd you where'd come this from? guy come from? But, yeah, I've done it in the daytime and, you know, use polarized glasses. And mm-hmm. I think when the more sun you have, the easier it is to see them yeah. during the day. And, you know, that's how I started out doing it in the daytime. And then it's, I've just seen it's a lot more fun at night and a lot cooler, too. Yeah, it keeps you sharp. I mean, right now is a good time. We're in that we're in that part of the season where it's uh, everybody's cranking, shooting their bows, getting ready. Yep. Season's coming. I mean, we're talking – the end of next week, South Carolina season comes in. Exactly, which is so exciting, and uh, you're getting the bows all tuned up, getting ready, and starting to get some good pictures, starting to see a few deer, and, and uh, 
man, we're seeing some pretty good deer right now, so we're pretty excited. I'm that's ready for cool. season to start. Yeah, that's cool. And I think this bow fishing helps you keep in tune with your you know, shooting. Yeah, um, with your inner redneck. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that, but, yeah, it keeps you tuned up on shooting your bow. Because, I mean, normally I don't practice shooting my yeah. bow until about a day a week before. before. <laughs> I go a week, not a day. You've been talking to LW. <laughs> He tells people that I start shooting the day before, but it's usually the week of the hunt. I'll get my bow out and start tuning on it and shooting, and uh, it don't really take me much because I'm so good at it. I mean, I'm, my bow's so good. So tuned, so I tuned in. Control. I'll tell you, I'm not going to mention any names, okay? So I was, my dad was on a hunt, and a couple of guys from the racing community came out to go on a hunt, and they wanted to, my dad was bow hunting. He was the only one there bow hunting at this particular place. And they said, man, we, we, we want to do that. So they came out there, and uh, they're like, man, we got to get our bows ready for tomorrow for the hunt. Dad goes, what do you mean you got to get them ready? He's like, come check it out. They had bought bows. They were still in the box. The arrows wasn't cut. Nothing. They go, how you put this side on? <laughs> Is that running our family? Is that No, that's not. not your family. None of my family? Okay. No, no, nowhere close to your family. But Well, I wouldn't think Dad, but I would think maybe somebody else. Yeah, no, no, no. Because I have seen him show up with five different arrows and three different broadheads. Oh, mm. man. But these guys, my dad's like, ah, I think you might want to stick with the gun. This could be a disaster right yeah. here. I mean, it's it's you know it's a challenge bow hunting, and you know you don't want to take the risk of injuring something. So, mm-hmm. practice is important, and I find that if I practice a whole lot, I kind of psych myself out. Yeah, I don't know why, but it seems like the more I practice, the worse I shoot. So I just mm-hmm. I just dial in and tune my bow up the week of and go with that. I love to shoot, and it's one of, it's kind of a something I do for fun, and so I'll shoot a lot of arrows in the summertime. But as I start to get close to bow season, the very first shot is the most important one right. for me. So if I go out and I make the very first shot and it's off, I'll shoot to make sure that's okay. But I'm only going to shoot about four or five times. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to put it up and wait a few hours and, and shoot again. So I'm, I might shoot before work. I might shoot after work. I might shoot before it gets, you know, kind of that dusk dark right. in a deer situation. And I'm shooting four or five times. Mm-hmm. And then I'm putting my bow down. And uh, another thing I like to do when I'm, this time of year when i'm shooting i like to shoot a lot of 80 90 100 yard shots yeah just because it feels so much better when you're at 40 yards it feels like a chip shot now shooting a deer at 100 yards is a little different story but a lot different yeah but but i like to, <laughs> i like to shoot out that far and it's just it works it it really helps me to see where i need to fine tune and where where my bow might be off as well yeah I'll, i mean i'll shoot out to 80 i have shot at 100 but it's just it's more difficult so yeah i stuck with 80 and like i said if you get pretty good at 80 i mean i'll just from 20 all the way out to 80 i mean if you get pretty decent at 80 like that 40 yard shot is it feels so much better so much better i mean you still mess up but oh yeah it it still makes it a lot easier to shoot yeah and where have we going we're just talking about shooting bows did you did you just what happened there (laughs) i think think i went to sleep (laughs) (laughs) yeah we was talking about you know shooting and just tuning up and i think we start out with this bow fishing stuff yeah somehow we we just got, got we just went to archery as a whole because it's that season is coming it is man and we're both exciting. you know add'd out on that but all right you can, how do you not get excited about it I, you know? it's hard i'm the kind of guy i'll hunt all year with a bow though if i can you know yeah. i mean there's obviously there's there's things that come up 
and uh, big deer step out way too far away, and that you know makes you use a gun. But <laughs> now I'm I'm kind of guy. I, I try to I try to hunt. I typically you know I'll go on a, a gun hunt. You know every one every two or three years maybe, but the rest of the time I'm I'm bow hunting. I'll bow hunt. Yeah, I like bow hunting. And you know Dale Jr. Asked, he it's hard to get him to do a gun hunt. He loves bow hunting. I, you know, it's hard to believe because you know he grew up not hunting. You know he hunted a few times, but he really wasn't into it. Mm-hmm. But then he got to shooting bow and practicing with the bow and he's like man this is cool and it's more challenging so he's all about bow hunting and free range hunting so i like that That's yeah good man yeah. you know i was just thinking too earnhardt outdoors and we, we probably need to just set up shop i think that he has some kind of connection to some property in ohio we yep. just need to set up and uh, do a remote location you know maybe go on about a five or six day hunt and shoot his deer and do a, do a podcast up there all right, yeah, I ain't for worried him. about him. LW's the one you have wine. I mean, fussing about it because he's in with he's in with yeah. Junior on that. So I think LW's the one would have an issue with that. You know, Junior, he I think he'd be okay. <laughs> he would think it's funny. Yeah, he probably would. But, he probably would. Especially yeah. LW would really have a hard time. I showed up with a box and a brand new bow with no sights on it, uncut arrows. Uncut. Yeah. <laughs> Where's the deer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would that would kind of upset him. <laughs> but he's not hard to upset. I figured that out. He's easy. I like to aggravate him. Uh, I, I can but we had a lot of fun. We go, I go hunt with LW a whole lot more than I do with Junior. Every now and then, me and Junior go somewhere. But you know, I go up to Pennsylvania with LW at his place up there, and I go. He's got that lease up in Ohio. Yeah, that he does. I go up there and hunt with him and. You know, if we have some hunts that come up, I try to get him involved in, and he gets me in. Like, we had this guy wanting race tickets. Had, he lived in Canada, and he offered up a hunt. So, me and oh, wow. my brother, me and LW went to Canada, white to a hunt. You there know, you go. In trade of some garage passes for this guy. That's good. I think the guy fared out better than we did. We didn't see a whole lot up there. I shot one okay buck, <laughs> but we were filming, and I needed to get something on film. So, yeah. I think it was like a 135, roughly. Yeah, that's tough, man. But, that's a long way to go. Yeah. If we'd have seen some nicer stuff, because this guy, he pumped us up. He had some big deer. Good deer, eh? In in his dreams, I think. <laughs> Been a lot because of we got times. there, and that wasn't nothing there. <laughs> I could, I could, uh, I could, we've talked about doing a show, you know, just talk, kind of like a Christmas vacation, call it Deer Hunt deer Vacation, hunt, yeah. and uh, just travel around to all the people that we have marked on a list of we would rather not go back there and hunt yeah you go in places where people they tell you all this stuff and then you get there and they only have 20 acres behind their yep. grandma's house that's and everybody it. and their brother's hunting <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that that's that's my kind of folks right. and that's fun but it's just really hard when you're expecting one thing you know you're thinking that this dude's got a thousand acres of land that hadn't been hunted and you're gonna roll in with a video camera and and try to get it done. You know, it's another thing if you're prepared for something, but when you're not prepared yeah. and it catches you, it's uh, it makes it tough. Well, you're you know you, you're you're challenged on getting footage for shows. Um, oh yeah. And to show up like that, it, it makes it frustrating because, like I said, you just going there and had big hopes on having some good land to hunt and seeing some good deer <laughs> and getting good footage. This sounds like a war zone. And now all you get is people running around playing paintball through the woods. <laughs> basically <laughs> well speaking of rascalism we'll uh here in a couple of weeks we'll we'll have uh something put together as far as edit of your son and my brother bowfish and so uh, you know 
I, we started off talking about bow fishing, and now I've just kind of tried to bring it back around since we're all talking about archery and all that stuff. But we should have something for maybe like a few funny clips for people to see. Oh. I think they had a, quite a few things to shoot at. I'm sure they did. Who knows? They went to, where was it, Kentucky? Arkansas. Arkansas. Going to Arkansas. Oh, wow. yeah, yeah, they got some sighting footage there. <laughs> <laughs> Who filmed it? Was it? Just different Just guys, different people? You know, okay. Yeah. yeah, I know that Jeffrey has talked about maybe all of us getting together and doing a, a show. Yeah. I, I'm fishing. game for it. We'll just talk to LW and we'll get that lined up. <laughs> I keep working that Why in there. Why do you daughter. work LW? He don't know a thing about bow fishing. We're not going bow fish. He just knows I do it. We'll have a we'll have a fishing rod hooked to the end of our boat. We'll shoot one of them big old bucks <laughs> up there in Ohio. Oh, we're going to Ohio. I see you there. I see where we're going. Yeah, nice little lake right down the road from the lodge. There he you has go. There. there you go. That'd be exciting. <laughs> but we need to figure something. We need. To, I don't know if he listens to this, but we need to figure out something we'll to work get him on. Really, really big. <laughs> we'll get him some garage passes. <laughs> but anyway, we'll get him an infield so, pass to Millbridge, Millbridge Speedway. Speedway. Well, he goes there all the time. That's my point. <laughs> okay. We've gotten off track. Oh, Lord. Again, Carrie. Everybody gives me a hard time that listens to this. Says, all you do is sit back and laugh. But well, I guess if they were sitting here, they'd see why I'm well, laughing. I mean, it's just crazy. It's easy to do, though. Yeah. See, it got quiet, didn't it? Sure did. <laughs> anyway, so if back to the bow fishing. If you haven't tried it, I mean, there's people that actually just wade or walk the banks of the creeks, yeah. the rivers, or and ponds. try. Yeah, yeah especially ponds. and ponds, and just try try it out. I mean, it's a lot of fun. And, yeah, you know, you don't have to be Fred Bear, Fred Bear, or anybody, you know, or Hank Parker Jr. But you, anybody <laughs> can shoot. A pretty bad shot, I'll be honest with you. So, I mean, I, I suggest if anybody out there listening and, you know, enjoy the outdoors, just try it out. Give, give it a give shot. Give it a shot. Yeah. There's a lot know, of maybe, starter equipment out there. Maybe go to your local outdoor store with Bass Pro and Cabela's or, you know, some small joint there in town. Just yeah. talk to them about it and get some information. And yeah. they might even have some people that do it to help you out. Heck yeah, man! Check your local laws. Uh, it's a little bit different. Yeah, in different areas, but it's it's, you know, it sounds a little intimidating. You know, it's kind of like dove hunting. I mean, you can tell the difference between a robin and a dove. Yeah, I mean, you it's, can. It's easy to tell the difference between a bass and a carp. You know, but sometimes. <laughs> it's not even. And the flash in the moment is hard to think. You know, <laughs> my man's got buck. I've seen some fever, nice son. bass. <laughs> you do see a lot of a bass. lot of nice bass. Yeah. When we're sitting here bow fishing, that you normally don't see when you're fishing for bass. Yeah, this is what my dad told my brother. He said, Sean, I've made my living, and I've put food on the table by catching largemouth bass and putting them back in the water. And now you're out there destroying all the fish with a and arrow. <laughs> no, he don't. It's crazy. Just the carp. And, Just carp. But yeah. He connected the fish. Yeah, I understand. The, his bread and butter. Yeah. But. It's exciting. You see a lot of different things at night, too, because, you know, he's got these all these birds out there that, pray at night and catching fish and and big old gray birds what do yeah. they call them things them cranes cranes crane make sure you have your thermocell yeah i don't mess with that <laughs> your thermocell i mean you're you're trolling along the bank and that thermocell you got it right there beside you or whatever it was helping the buddy behind you <laughs> yeah yeah because it's all blowing back to him yeah i hook about four of them on me Ooh. i just tie around me i ain't never had that press <laughs> i mean this is you just deal with it yeah, I'll try to man up next time. Yeah. 
Be an outdoorsman. Come on. <laughs> but anyway, it's a lot of fun. It's good times out there. And especially if you got some buddies that you like just hang out with, make it a trip. Make it a trip. I think it sounds good. Let's go. Right well, now. Yeah, We're going to leave here right now and go for bow fishing. I got to get my boat. We don't need a boat. We're just going to walk around the bank. Well, I got to get my bow, I said. Oh, your bow. Okay. Did I say boat? Yeah, I wasn't real sure. I think I said my bow. So anyway... Well, that about does it for this week's Unheard Outdoors here in the Zalta studio. And speaking of Zalta, don't forget to head over to ZaltaRacing.com to get all the latest news, photos, and the schedule for Dell Jr.'s Zalta number 88. Yeah, I'm ready to see Dell Jr. back in that car. It's, uh, I hate he's going through this, and, you know, prayers been, I've been praying for him, and I know a lot of people have. Yeah. It's ready for him to be feeling uh, better and back behind the wheel of that car, man. Yeah, I know. He's, he's uh, excited about getting back racing you know but he's going to be smart about it and make sure it's the right time and he's been doing the doctor visits and doing all the workouts and all the exercises he's supposed to do with his brain so you know he's just looking forward to getting back in the car and i guess that's where you keep up with what's happening yeah i told him i said i'm man i'm ready for you to get back to as close as normal as you ever were yeah (laughs) he ain't got far to go (laughs) man it's been good you know last couple uh, times we've been together we've had some interaction on social media and and people sending in different things for us to talk about and sending pictures and all that sort of stuff so i just want to thank everybody for listening if you got anything you want us to talk about send us some of your pictures send us some of your uh, trail cam photos you're getting now or some of your uh, maybe your prized possession photos from the bow fishing uh, adventures that you've been on and but uh, check in with us send us some stuff we'll talk about it and uh and we appreciate everybody listening. Yeah, and that what's that? Earnhardt Outdoors. Yep, Twitter, Earnhardt Outdoors, Twitter, and, uh, Facebook, Facebook, and everything else. Check us world. out. We're worldwide. So. Worldwide. Check us out and give us some stories. Let's go. We're <laughs> ready to talk about some stuff. The only way this junior got famous is because of Dale Junior. Dale Junior. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a good one. All right, y'all. That's the end of this show. We're going bow fishing. <laughs> See y'all next two weeks and have a good one. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. Hey, Junior Nation. Now more than ever, exclusive, entertaining, and free content from the world of Dale Earnhardt Jr. is no further away than your fingertips. It's all thanks to Dale Jr.'s Dirty Mo Radio presented by Exalta. All eight Dirty Mo Radio podcasts are available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and of course, DaleJr.com. So whether you're at home, at work, in the gym, on the run, or just hanging out, Dirty Mo Radio gives Junior Nation its newest and most versatile way yet to plug directly into the world of Earnhardt anytime, anywhere.